Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. I mean, you, you sit there and you think, sometimes maybe moms, you do this, uh, and you, you kind of judge yourself for, for whatever it is, physically or, or whatever, but you watch a video like that and you go, okay, okay, I'm, I'm uniquely made, I'm uniquely created, and uh, in a way that makes an impact in somebody's life, and uh, we're going to talk a little about that today. Uh, let's jump right in. We're going to share a message here today, and if you are a note taker, we don't have blanks to fill in today because it's more of like a single thought talk today, um, but if you're uh, tracking with us, we're going through Luke, and we're on Luke 15, and we're going to hit all of Luke 15 during the course of today, but let's start with the first two verses in a talk called Welcome. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's it. Right there. Those first two verses. I don't know what, muttered is such an interesting word, isn't it? It's just like muttered. You know, under your breath, grumbling or whatever, but they muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And I had a question that came to my mind when I first read that, and it just made me go into this solid pause before I even jump into the, the following parables that will we'll look at three different parables that really the first two verses inspire and I started to think, like, who's gathering around me? Right? Who's gathering around you? Who's gathering around you? Because right here, Jesus solidly exemplifies who should be gathering around us, whose lives we should, like, naturally draw in. Like there should be something attractive about our life, and so people should be drawn to us. Who? Well, to Jesus it was the sinners, the tax collectors. So in other words, robbers in their day, you know, tax collectors were like the lowest job. They were crooked. They were, you know, it's like they were, would take extra money. They would just People did not like tax collectors in the day of the Bible. We love them now. Anyway, so uh, wouldn't it be brutal if every city had like an IRS agent that was a tax collector and they came and got it from you? That'd be totally different. We would 
use them in our phrases too. But So tax collectors and sinners, right? Maybe I'm just missing something, but I think that's the point, is that they're around us. I think this is the whole, like, this is the, re- this is the point. They're saying this man eats with sinners. Exactly, right? Maybe, just maybe, if they look a little closer, if they watch a little longer, Jesus in action, they would say it differently. They would say, this man eats with sinners, therefore they feel welcome. Think about it that way. Just interesting, right? This man welcomes sinners and tax collectors and eats with them. Well, what about, what about this man is willing to eat with tax collectors and sinners, and therefore they feel welcome? It's the same thing, just phrased different, and maybe it puts the action on the side of us taking initiative to love all people, anyone, no matter the issues. We're all a mess. None of us are perfect. So they were gathering around him because he was present in their community. Get this. He's no longer, this didn't start off, now Jesus was in the synagogue. It didn't start off, now Jesus was in the Pharisee's house. It didn't start off like that. Luke points those details out for a reason because he wants the audience that he's writing to which are the tax collectors and the sinners. That's the audience he's writing to. He wants his audience to get the reality that Jesus loves all people and gives everyone a chance. So he's writing very, very clearly here, very intentionally about where Jesus is when these tax collectors and sinners are drawn to him. In fact, if you jump down into the Greek and start your commentary studies like I always do before doing a talk, I was reading through them, and it was interesting to see the actual context of this phrase that says, we're all gathering around. It it literally means when Jesus came in, in every city, like in every scenario, he always was drawing people towards him that were sinners and, and, and tax collectors, the, the crippled, the weak, the lame, the poor. They were drawn to Jesus wherever he went. So it was this continuous pattern. He's continually gathering people around him wherever he's present. We'll look at this passage again here in a few weeks, but Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking himself, referring to himself, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That sums up his mission on earth. God sent Jesus to seek and save the lost. Now, we're blessed to be on this side of the scenario. We have a Bible we can read. We can open up the pages. We can read Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, Luke's gospel, John's gospel. We can, we can watch television shows about the Bible or, or the book of Acts, the AD that's going on right now. We can look and kind of get context in the whole scenario. But we look here, and, and, and people in that day, they didn't have that context. They didn't know Jesus was, was going to actually go to the cross and, and, and give his life and then the grave and raise three days later. They, they thought he was the Messiah, but they didn't know yet. You know what I'm saying? So now we have this perspective where we can look at this and, and yeah, oh, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Got it. But in their day, they're like, what? 
This didn't necessarily make sense yet, but he was still teaching it knowing that someday it would. Now we know, and we should know, we should have this deep conviction that God's seeking us. Like He's coming after us. We can't hide from His love. We cannot escape from His call on our life, His purpose in our life. Nothing we do can separate us from His love. The Bible promises us in Romans 8. So we have to come to grips with the fact that nothing happens by chance. We didn't just make our way to church today. God's seeking after us to lead us here. There's a reason we're here in His presence. So I just look at that and go, hmm, this is cool. I mean, God knows us. He says in Scripture, He knows us from when we're in the womb. He knows us. He knows the hairs on our head. So when you consider the video that opened the talk today, these kids who walk up to their moms and they can just tell who this is by touch, God knows His kids just as much. It's a great illustration of of God knowing us. He can tell right from the moment. He knows exactly who we are. He just goes, oh, no, no, no. I know things are rough. I know you're sick. I know this is happening. I know you've denied me. I know sometimes you've cursed at me, but I know you, and I love you. That same embrace, that same heart, that's God's heart for us. It's how He feels towards us. Moms, you get this a little more than than maybe the rest of us, right? You get that deep heart, emotional. God finds us where we're at and is challenging us to be present where people are at as well. He models ministry here that is effective and leads people to be drawn to Jesus. And that's why even our theme verse, if you would, my life verse and, and what we started Open Life on five years ago is 1 Thessalonians 2.8, which says, we loved you so much we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. It's that whole reality of, hey, okay, I know we're supposed to communicate the gospel, but we're going to go out, we're going commu- to share our life with people. It's not just a Sunday talk at It's an everyday do life with. That's what we're supposed to be. And Jesus is exemplifying that here. And that said, happy Mother's Day. (laughs) You're like, what? What? Okay, you got to listen to this because I was thinking about this and I was going, you know what I love about moms is uh, one of the many things, I I love a lot of things about moms, but one of the many things, uh, but something that just makes sense in light of our text today is their tenacity, their stick their persistence, their sacrificial living, their, you know, those, that element of moms is so incredible. It's, it's, you know, sometimes you see it just captured in, uh, in, in the life stories that are out there. And, and I'll, share, I'll share one from our home today. Maybe you saw it on the news, but uh, the school, Dana, my wife, mom of four, uh, the school she teaches at had like a norovirus experience this week, right? So everybody's freaking out and getting sick and hundreds of kids gone. And it was panic. It was awesome. So Tuesday night, it was really incredible. Tuesday night, uh, you know, that day, uh, Jaden, our, our first grader in our home, she, was, she came home 
And she felt great all day, all night, eating dinner, hanging out, chilling, having a good time. And, uh, and I hear, you know, Dana was like, oh, man, we better be watching her. I was like, well, why? She's like, well, six kids in her class threw up today, like at once. And I keep getting messages that more of them are getting sick, like right now. I'm like, what? And then she gets another text. She's like, oh, her teacher's sick. I'm like, huh? Then the next thing you know, Jaden goes to bed, and she wakes up, and we hear, you know, do you want to know exactly what it sounds? I'm just kidding. Uh, so you hear this in the bed. We're like, what, what? She goes, oh, no, I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I was just, you know, sleeping on my tummy. Yeah, right. Totally got that, right? Well, 11 more times she threw up within the next day. And so she, she like, set her own personal record of 12. You know, I don't know why she was counting. That's pretty incredible. Or how do you keep count? Do you just like mark the wall? Or I don't know. But she said she threw up 12 times. It was pretty much on the hour every hour, right? And so what does she want? Who does she call for? Dad, come in here. Hold my hair back. I just love my father. No. She's like, Mom, you know. So Mom goes in there, makes the bed, compassionate. And I'm like, hey, you know, quiet person of interest is on. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. But uh, it would have been awesome. I would have been beaten. And uh, already what I'm about to tell you resulted in the beating. But I was sitting there, you know, and going, okay, well, the sacrificial heart of mom is like, well, I'll, you know, set up camp here in the playroom so when she calls, I could just go in. And so every hour, Dana went in and held her hair and she threw up. It was beautiful, right? But, you know, so then my role was to go secure the king-sized bed in our room, just make sure it was, like, safe all night long. And uh, Preston, our youngest, ended up coming in, so I had to watch him, you know, in case he got sick too. He's a child. So I protected him while we slept next to each other all night, keeping the bed warm. That was my job as a father, right? So moms, you just think differently. You have a different way of living, and I love that because you just like, Dana got up the next morning, went into like the, the contamination zone and, you know, battled the media. I'm just kidding. That would have been cool, but she did. Like the media did show up and talked about it. They love the bad news, right? So, uh, but they, they're cleaning everything and freaking out about the hundreds of people gone, and it was, it was great. But we never, nobody else got sick. So thankfully, uh, but I might mention, I am incredibly impressed and excited about Mandy who led worship today and her first full set of worship. You did phenomenal, would have never known, I and mean, now they all know, but would have never known. So applause for stepping out in your leadership. But they gave her the gift of sickness this week at the school. She's the music teacher there. And uh, so even after, like, noro, facing the norovirus, you lead worship. That's impressive. That's incredible, right? It's just in you. I love that. It's awesome. So I, I, I look at this and go, Jesus is going to tell us that we all need to have that same tenacious spirit. But for the lost, he's going to try to charge us up to help us understand that our objective is to, to be there and get in the lives of others and persistently just love unconditionally, no strings attached. And then we'll be one who draws people near to us, no matter where they're at in life. We should relate really well to this talk, and specifically the moms are going to. So let's jump in. Luke 15, 3 through 32. Big chunk here. 
But it's three stories, so I think you'll stick with me. First story. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he, until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends, neighbors together, and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Okay, pretty cut and forward, right? I'll talk more about it in a second. Second parable, story to help us discover truth, but not a true story, right? He's making these up on the spot. So Jesus says, uh, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins, loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I have to pause there because we lose the context of this in America, right? We're like, she did what for a coin? <laughs> you know, we're all like, she lost a coin. Like, I could shake my couch, and I'm going to find a ton of coins in there, I think, right? So we just kind of coin, she's a little OCD if she's really doing this, looking in her house. And you have this picture of why does she light a lamp? Is it like nighttime? No, the houses didn't have windows, and so she, she has to light a lamp even in the daytime to find the coin. So, but yet she still is, this is an example of urgency, but I love how Jesus indicates, you know, a this is a gal doing this because most guys would just go, coin, you know, and kind of grunt and exit. So I look at that and go, interesting, right? Final parable. The lost son. Maybe uh, you would hear this as the prodigal son. Verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And where, where I'm starving to death, I will set out, go back to my father, say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be... Uh, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, 
kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, tension in the story. Bump, bump, bump. Music shifts down to a lower key, right? Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what, what's going on? Your brother's come, he replied. Your father's killed the fattened calf because he, is, he has his son back, safe and sound. The older brother became angry, refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been saying to you, uh, or I've been slaving for you and never disobeying your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Okay, that was a lot. But let's tie this all together. If this parable was in Baltimore, just go with me here if you've watched the news at all. If this parable was in Baltimore, and let's say it wasn't told about a father, but a mom, and I don't know if you saw the article, but this mom snagging her son from the front lines of the rocks being thrown. Just, just watch this clip here real quick. See, if she was in the story, then the son would have never made it away. She would have seen him walking away. She would have grabbed that boy by the hood. She would have dragged him back by his ear. She would have, Mama would have got her son. He would have never made it to the pig fields, right? There would be not, much, not as much drama in the story. That's why he had to use the father, because Mama would go get her boy. Now, I debated showing that, because I in no way think it's right to like beat up your son on public television or in private in the home, right? So now she's being investigated by like the, 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 the parent services and stuff because they're like, well, that didn't look like it was the first time you beat up your son. So we're going to come and look at your home and put in cameras and stuff. I'm just, I don't know what they're doing, but you know, so now she's in the hot water, but she saw her son throwing bricks and she's like, no. As a single mom, I did not raise you to throw everything away by getting shot by a cop because you're throwing bricks at them. That is stupid. They have guns. You have a rock, right? And so she really went after her kid and got all this national attention this last week. And I look at that and go, what, you know, story are we looking for to actually hear the message of Jesus in these parables? I mean, the confrontation starts in these parables with 
a Pharisee saying, man, he eats and hangs out with sinners, right? Those who are not living according to the religious ways of their day, the right. They were missing the mark to have favor with God, ultimately. Here's this guy calling himself the Son of God, now hanging out with these people who are missing the mark. So why? And why are they drawn to him? And why is this even happening? They're just confused and processing it. And so Jesus tells these stories to really emphasize this conclusion um, to, you know, hey, we celebrate the lost being found, and everybody's welcome. So, I mean, Jesus' main point is the culmination of this story. The argument between the father and the older son is the main deal of all these parables. It builds up to the major tension, and that's older son is the religious Pharisees and teachers of the law, right, in the story. That, that teaching is helping them understand you're being cranky over something beautiful that's just happened. So stop guarding your territory and start loving people. And he's just coming at them pretty solid. And I just look at this and go, yeah, go Jesus. So I don't know who you identify with most in this in this story. I mean, you have so many characters to relate to, whether it's the prodigal son or the older brother, the sheep or the flock. Like, how could he just leave the flock and go after the one, right? You kind of like, what happens? They're in the open country. What about the wolves? Well, you know, it's not a true story. And, and the writer was protecting the sheep, you know? So, the author, Jesus, was protecting kind of it was funny to read the commentaries on that because everybody's like, how can he leave the sheep? Anyway, uh, so the and I think that's one of our challenges as I'll talk about here. We need to look here at the challenges in this in this section of text that jump out that jumped out to me as the Holy Spirit kind of illuminated them to my attention. And that's what I want to dialogue on because our point is to welcome everybody that the lost would be found, right? And, but there's some obstacles we have, some challenges. And the first one is we're influenced by the mutterers in our world. Why do we give so much influence to those who mutter? Why do we just, you know, we dwell on the words of others. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me was a liar. When people mutter against us, it influences us, and we need to figure out how to turn off the continuous grumbling and chatter and complaining and just push through that and keep loving. That's just a reality in our world today. And now we have advanced technology, social media, bloggers, which are basically like mutterers who type right? And, uh, and they're sitting there, and they're, they're, they're blogging their disgruntlement with people. Like, so, you know, by the way, if you notice your pens that you were handed on your way, and if you look down at your pen right now, you got to look at your pen. If you have one, look at your pen. You may notice something different about your pen today as from a normal day. Yes, it's still black and white, but when you look at the website, it doesn't say livinglifeopen.com anymore. It says openlife.church. Okay. That said, uh, on our new website, which we pushed live a couple days ago, we just didn't make a big deal of it. It's just a website. Anyway, uh, but there's a lot of stuff on there. It's a pretty cool website, and we're still working on it and stuff. But there's a blog. The blog part of our website 
is not a complaining location for people at Open Life to, like, hate on the world around us. But some people treat their blog that way. Our blog's more like, wow, it's amazing what God is doing in our community. We love Jesus, right? That's our intent. Uh, and you, but you look at some, some people, they blog just to, like, attack authors of books or come after a, an athlete because they did something wrong, and you just look at, all of a sudden, like this mom is grabbing her kid off the front lines and two million hits in a second, right? We never know in our day what's going to hit. There's mutterers all around us, and are we going to allow the mutterers to have our platform, or are we just going to let them mutter and keep loving? I think the challenge Jesus has given us here is to Let them mutter. We're going to have the party for the son who returned, older brother, and I'm begging you to come in. The party's going to continue. We're going to celebrate. We're going to reach the lost. We're going to do life with people out in community and not make them come into church to love them. And if other churches don't like that, deal with it, right? It's sad that other Christians are the mutterers. Anyway, pretty fun. Uh, second challenge we have, we're used to letting the one wander. We're totally used to letting the one go away. We, well, we got we to gotta keep the 99. So we get this, instead of reach mindset, we get this keep mindset, right? And so we, we're like, instead of me going out and seeking and saving the one lost, we do. We like go, oh, one went away, but one versus 99, let's keep the 99. Problem is when another one goes away and, and another one goes away and, and another one goes away and we just become content keeping versus reaching. And our challenge in the text here is to go seek the lost. Our emphasis should be the lost. It's the very process of seeking and reaching that transforms our life because we're active in doing ministry. And what's happened in our world today is we've got so used to letting the one wander that now we sit in the community context. If the story was told today, there's a hundred sheep, 12 of them are with the shepherd. 88 of them have wandered over the course of generations. So we sit in a community where 12% of people are in church. In our radius, if you do like a five-mile radius from Target's address, there's like 91,000-ish people. And if you look at those people, uh, 80,000 of those do not claim, they, they don't claim to go to church. So 80,000 people, 80,000 people. So now we're in this different scenario. Now if I try to go get one of the 88 and bring them back to the 12, I'm like the creeper, right? It's like, you guys stay here. I'm going to go get one. (laughs) So Christians have tried this, right? And it doesn't work out too well because it's really weird. It's like, yeah, hey, guys, I know the 88 of you are having a blast. Hey, come with me. What? Where are we going? To the 12? Why do I, but I'm with the 88. This, ooh, these 12 people are different, bro. You know, it's like that, that moment where you're like, so we made a decision five years ago to, when we started Open Life. We're going, okay, I think the 12 have a place. There's lots of churches that are very focused on keeping still. But we need a church that's focused on going, I'm going to go on a missions trip over here for the rest of my life 
and I'm going to plant myself right in the center of culture, be present in community, and do life with the 88, because my Bible shows me that if I just live out being a follower of Christ, being a follower of Jesus right here in the middle of culture, that everyone is going to be drawn to me. If I compromise my values and all that and start living as the 88, then I won't be as contagiously drawing. But I just need to not subculture my life over here trying to keep myself safe from the world. It's not what what Jesus prayed in John 17. He prayed that we would be in the world, just not of it. So we have a challenge to follow here. I don't know, this is, this is a passion thing of mine. I, I share this, this reality of the lost sheep illustration uh, all over the place. I'll be sharing it at UW this Wednesday night just to challenge people to live out their faith in community. And you look at the, the, the reality we have in this story to make an impact in the world, but somehow we turned off our passion button when it comes to letting somebody wander. We can't let people wander. That's why we need relationship with one another so we know if they're wandering, so we recognize if they're missing, so we easily lose our senses as well in the mess of life. Notice what was indicated there of the son when he, lo- when he left and he was feeding the pigs. It says, when he came to his senses. So, so Ultimately, when he took his inheritance, his father split up the land. He wandered, squandered with prostitutes and all these different things we read about. That was a season of him having lost his senses. We lose our senses in life, all of us. None of us in here are going to go through a season where we don't just have a really bad idea. And hopefully, we have people around us who love us enough to tell us, you know, it's kind of a bad idea, and you shouldn't do that. But, you know, so here at Open Life, we try to foster those significant relationships through groups and, and getting to know people or social moments where you can come together like the ladies' night that happened just Friday night. We'll push those out via the website or our app and, you know, try to help you see moments where you can get together. Or if you're not in a group, have somebody over for dinner. You have to have people who know you so that they can call you out at times when you need to be called out. I was a youth pastor, my first youth ministry. We went on a trip to Canada. We did this outreach in this place in in, um, Alberta. We thought, hey, this is kind of a cool place, and maybe we should do something like this in our youth ministry. We were experiencing crazy growth, and I was going, you know, what was the idea that I brought back to our staff and said, maybe we should try this. This would be a cool idea. Uh, It was a smoking garden as a youth pastor at a church that was pretty traditional, I was pitching an idea for us to have a smoking garden for all of our students who came smoking and, and, and doing drugs, which we had a lot of them, right, that were being drawn to us. And I was just like, well, let's give them a place to smoke. And, and that didn't go over. I had enough people who loved me that said, that, um, that is the stupidest idea, you know. It's just like, oh, yeah, oh, you don't want us to... Pr-. So then I remember, like, asking kids. We went back again and did another outreach at this place in Alberta, like, years later, and there's all these kids. And when we first went there, only a few were smoking. When we went back, like, everybody was smoking and doing drugs and stuff. I'm going, wait, the social experiment went the way people warned me, said it would go. I was like, hey, so... 
you know, oh, so you're smoking out there. Like, what inspired you to smoke? Well, I came here. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't want a smoking garden. That was kind of funny. Not funny. But we do stupid. We make really dumb choices, right? And uh, so we need people who love us enough. Life is a team sport that they would say, no, no, no. We need to come to our senses. That mom in Baltimore was beating some sense into her boy, right? Not, not being a proponent of abuse. Uh, but anyway, final, final challenge here is we, we expect the worst when coming into the presence of God. Why is that? When we come into the presence of our Father, right, in this illustration, the Heavenly Father, we spend too much time rehearsing what we're going to say or or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a servant now, I'm not a son, or what should I say? I'm not worthy to wear your shoes, or I'm not worthy to wear the robe or the, the ring that will signify I'm your son again. What do I say to help my father accept me, and what do I wear, and will I be accepted, or are they going to see that I'm a sinner and kick me out, or what do I do, right? We do that to ourselves. Those we love do that to themselves, We're judging ourselves so brutally, worrying what might happen, that we become paralyzed. And what we need to realize, it's safe. God's safe. He loves us. We spend way too much time, and will it be safe when we walk in? Yes, yes, and yes. We are why God sent His Son Jesus to save us. We are messed up. We make wrong choices. We lose our senses, and that's why we need each other. And we need to be lovingly brought back in. But here's the good news. Even while we're being mindless, senseless goofballs in this world, Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't want us to clean up and then come to Him. Just come now, right in the middle of the mess of life. There's no prerequisite. There's no hidden requirements or things we have to live up to to come into the presence of God. Just come. Welcome home. Welcome home. That's what Jesus is communicating to the religious rulers that just didn't get it. And the fact is, it's, it's opposite of what we think. We think we have to get ready. No, just you don't have to get ready at all. Come as you are. And that's what we should be communicating to our friends, those we know who do not follow Jesus, those who are being drawn to us is, is God loves you. Come. We make it way too tough. There's no rules you have to walk through or guidelines you have to follow to experience God's love. No need to rehearse. Just come. Interestingly enough, in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 34, 11 and 12 say this, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness." Since the beginning of the Bible, since old times, right? Ezekiel's not all the way at the beginning, but just the reality that like long, 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 long before Jesus, we knew he's going to chase after us. 
John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He came to save. And if we ever question the heart of God of seeing us far off and running to us and hugging us, as is in the story of the prodigal son, I love that imagery. It's like your friends, when you're sharing your faith with them or you're challenging them, say, hey, come to church with me. Like the moment they even look towards Jesus, he's like, here I am right? He's just running to us. I love Psalm 103 to just capture the heart of God. If I'm ever feeling like I'm judging myself, I'm being hard on myself, I've messed up, I run to Psalm 103. Check this out. Praise the Lord, my soul, because you have to sometimes just tell yourself, come on, soul, wake up. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. He forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Oh, but the Father's going to be so mad at me. He will not harbor his anger forever. He's quick to forget. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed the transgressions from us. Gone. Gone. When we come to God and say, I messed up, senseless, he's like, bring it in. Boom. I love you. I'm hoping you do that today. I'm hoping that's what you feel today. This Jesus factor is good news for all of us. He's seeking us because we make choices. We get lost along the way, and he just comes, brings us in, hugs us, and loves on us. I don't know what response you're inspired to make today or what the Holy Spirit's challenging you with from all these stories and, and these insights, but I'm challenged to say to that many more people, welcome. Welcome. If anything else comes from my lips, if I, I'm not in behavioral transitioning, that's not my world. I'm, I'm, I'm in belonging encouragement. I'm like, you belong with Jesus. If we need to change behaviors, He deals with that. We need to come to our senses, but let's let God love us like crazy love us. On the back of your connection card, there's potential responses. You could look at those while the worship team sings, but I'm going to pray with you first. Just encourage you, man. Grab a hold of Jesus today. Let the righteous mutter aggressively. You just enjoy the love of God aggressively. God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come into your presence, to evaluate our life and say, man, who, who's at my dinner table? Who Do I celebrate when the lost come home? Am, am I making a difference in even just one person's life. Open my eyes. 
Help me love like you love. Help me see this community through the eyes you see this community. Help me be present in the lives of those who would fit the categories here, who maybe the mutterers would be distracted by who we love and how aggressively we love, but that's okay because we're following the path you lead us down. I just pray in the name of Jesus. If anybody in this room has not taken an opportunity to to choose to follow you, Jesus, if they've not experienced that fresh embrace of the Father, I, I pray right now that they would choose to follow you. I pray that they would come home. I pray that they would come home and realize far off you saw them and you have an embrace awaiting. May they simply say, Jesus, come into my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want to live life to the full. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for seeking and saving me. And may we grow together in the coming weeks. Grow together, holding each other in account, encouraging one another, loving on one another, and seeking the lost in our community together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the Give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the Giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.